For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back. Farm to the show. Chris Dickerson and Paul Yanish. We've got a old friend here, Mark Sheldon, the uh, Reds beat reporter for MLB.com. And we are excited to catch up, Mark. It's been a long time, but we all have a, a, a rich history. So thanks for being on with us today. And we're just catching up here a little bit here. How's everything going with yourself? Things are fantastic. It's it's interesting. I think this is the first time I've been interviewed by players I've covered. So this is a this is a nice turn of uh, the tables, and it's it's great to see you guys. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cool moment because um yeah, and we we don't take the we don't take the phrase longtime friend lightly because <laughs> I mean we're you know Paul and I've been doing this for for a couple months now, and it's it's pretty wild to think that the time that's gone on. And, you know, you've been covering it since we were basically kids. You know? <laughs> Make me feel uh, old now. But, yeah, I, re I remember when you were both rookies and uh, you guys were always good to me and to work with and uh, got to tell some interesting stories that involved you and cover some good games. And uh, so it's, 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 it's nice to see you again, for sure. So we'll, we'll put you on the spot, right? We'll put you on the spot right now. Who, who is your favorite to deal with, Chris Dickerson or Paul Yanish? That's a tough one, but I'll say I know Chris got mad at me a couple times, but so I don't think you were ever mad at me once, Paul. So I'll go with you. Uh, well, what did I get mad? What did I get mad at you about? I, I remember I, at spring training one year, you got mad at me. I, I I think I wrote like in a preview about the outfield, and I, I made some comment that you had to establish yourself in your second year, and you, oh, yeah. you felt oh, like yeah. you were established. Oh nine, yeah, oh nine, yeah. I was, yeah, it was a little bit of a sour situation right there. I mean, yeah, the and fact I, I, you, you were not too pleased. I agree. I think that the USA Today uh, uh, article probably had my head a little big at the time. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm bro, I'm the 18th hottest thing in baseball right now. And the fact, the fact that Mark remembers that makes me really happy. Actually, oh, by yeah, way. that is that is. I love that, Mark. I love that you remember that. It triggered my memory when he said that I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I remembered. So, yeah, I, I don't remember a lot of stuff, but I remember that, I guess. I've had a few. Yeah minor run-ins with players over the years nothing too bad and, and chris you even that didn't upset me at all so it's it's all good <laughs> no it's all good man no you've been no you've been great to me um everything that i've done with players for the planet in cincinnati you were a huge part of uh, a huge part of that um and everything that i was trying to do so i mean your work has always been appreciated thank you you're there you're there for a reason because you're well liked. you do great work and we're we're happy to have you on the show buddy thank you very much so we're kind of touching on how you've covered a lot of Reds teams over the years. And obviously it's a good time in, to be a Reds fan, big, big, big time in Reds country. I here in Houston, we've got a couple of friends in the neighborhood that are from Cincy in some way, shape or form and are, are pretty fired up about the team. So give me a little peek into, you know, over that course of time, you've covered some teams that have had some success, but from the outside looking in, man, this feels a little different, right? There's, there's a good young core. It's, it's an exciting time. Give me from your perspective, kind of what you're, what you're seeing. Well, what makes this year really remarkable is just the complete 180 degree turn it is from 2022. If you could, if I could take you back to last season, they come out of the lockout, 
go right to spring training in the first five days of spring training. I think they traded six key veteran players. They gutted the, the roster mm-hmm. and they also had traded some couple people before the lockout. And you walk into that clubhouse and all the oxygen, all the, Hey, we're at spring training. It's great to be back. Everyone's together. Let's go win a championship. That was all out the window on day one. And it was a, a rough season. And then they did some more trades at the deadline. And that, that, that clubhouse was as zombie esque as I've seen it ever. And I've, I've covered some losing teams and that was the, the losingest team I've covered hundred losses. So you go into this year and there really wasn't high expectations. There, there was a, a lot of expectations would be a 90 to hundred loss year again, but what was different and it started being noticed in spring training is, wow, these guys are a lot more exciting than maybe we were, we thought, and maybe some of these younger players are, are more ready than we thought. And you obviously get a look at Ellie De La Cruz, but not just him. It's, it's Matt McLean. It's Christian Encarnacion Strand and TJ Friedel and you know, Jake Fraley was healthy. And it just started looking like, okay. And even when they were seven and 15 in uh, late April, this team was still exciting. They were running a lot. They were doing a lot of cool things. And then they started winning. And then you started some of these prospects that I mentioned in spring training started coming up and really contributing. And you've got a, a really young, ha- you know, happy clubhouse. When teams that win have happier clubhouses, no doubt. <laughs> and it, it was just definitely a, a, a good mix of personalities. There's only a few veterans, but they mixed in really well. Uh, they added a couple of guys from the outside, like Luke Maley, who's really brought a lot to the team. And and it's just been an interesting year. It's been probably one of the more interesting years I've ever covered of this team. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, t- it makes it more interesting. It's just, it's such an incredibly weird dynamic when you talk about like the low expectations and then getting up here and then expecting it to stay up here. When I think we're all struggling with the reality of these two decades, like what exactly were the expectations and where where are we managing them? I think that's the biggest thing because when we talk about, hey, we're going an all star game, you know, all star break, we're in first place, and then coming out of all star break, we're losing six straight. And then we're kind of in this, you know, the Reds are in this middle place. And then we see what's happened. You know, the, it wasn't a great series in Arizona. And then they dropped another two to San Francisco. And so we're seeing a bit of a moot point right now. Um, Hunter, where we, you know, we talked about the importance of, of Hunter and Nick coming back healthy. And Hunter, you know, having his issues uh, and, not, and not being able to get that immediate impact. And it's kind of shown... Um, in these last two series with the walks and, you know, the, these free passes, it's so it, it, it is it's a mixed bag of emotions for for this organization right now. But at the end of the day, it's OK. And Paul and I have gone back and forth with this probably for the last month is like, where where are you? You know, where are you in this mix of emotions? Are you just taking it all in stride and just be like, hey, this is a part of this is a part of it. And looking at the bright side, knowing that this is such a character building piece of piece of their career right now is to understand these highs and these lows and what it takes to be, you know, consistent, you know, consistent contenders at the top of the division. Yeah. They're learning a lot. I think they're going to find out no matter what happens this year, that this is a season to build from for sure. They've learned what it's going to take. I think a lot of guys are running quite honestly running out of gas. Uh, It's been, it's been a long year. They, they really, uh, they never really had a good rotation this year as for all the expectations of the big three they had two of them in Lodolo and green get hurt pretty early uh, they had to really piece it together Ashcraft was hurt for a little while and they've been they've been piecing together a rotation and then from that you you had the bullpen which was really performed admirably 
much of the year, but you knew at some point these guys were going to run out of gas because they, they were pitching a, an inordinate amount of innings from the get-go because a lot of starters were getting three to four and a third innings or four, you know, four and two-third innings, and that's just not enough. And, and then you, the lineup was really keeping everything afloat, but now there's been injuries, and, and now the lineup's not really clicking either. So uh, as far as the emotions go, I, I think certainly they, they, they certainly believed in themselves, and they think they still believe in themselves. But when you get, uh, you get to a certain point, though, and, and they didn't make any trades at the deadline, and you could look at August 1st as being kind of a turning point to this season, they needed a starting pitcher. They didn't get one, and their starting rotation has been kind of flailing again. So I think they've kind of gone up and down. I think the fans have kind of gone up and down with them. I think they definitely enjoyed the ride of the 12-game winning streak and being in first place and all the things that individual players brought to the table. Uh, but now that now they're, they're they're struggling and and they're going to have to find a way. They've they found a way much of the year. They've rebounded from some bad losing streaks, including the six in a row that you mentioned. Uh, they're going to have to do it again, but they just don't have the same amount of people to do it. They're going to have to find a way and dig deep. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, we, we've talked about that part of it. I actually think it's it was the right decision for them to maybe not get the the fact that they didn't get the trade that they thought was going to be meaningful, make the most sense, and not have to give up something that would leverage the future, which I assume what was going through uh, Nick Crawl's head at the time. But we're – the, the injury to McLean here recently is going to obviously be be significant. I don't know the duration, but the, an oblique can be very difficult. If it's very likely he could be out for the rest of the year. Yeah. That be, that being said, to your point about the lineup, that that to me that's where this team is living and dying right now. I think that the rotation has shown super promise moving forward. Abbott obviously is going to be a real guy. Lodolo needs to be healthy. Hunter Green needs to do what he has the ability to do. Ashcraft, I think, is the guy that's kind of like laying in the weeds is like a really reliable big league starter. Um, the bullpen at the end of the day, like you said, just got taxed. So to that point, one of the questions I wanted to ask is about DB because we know him really well. I think a lot of them have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Being the old school, like hard-nosed guy, how has he – kind of adapted how has this team maybe changed his mentality and because over the course of the season you kind of feel that that's happened and now you're getting into a little bit of a rough stretch they're obviously going to go down the stretch here try to get into the playoffs but kind of kind of elaborate on that for me if you don't mind actually in a lot of ways David hasn't changed very much he's always been even when they were losing 100 games last year and going from back when he started in 2019 he's always been a very positive person he's always been encouraging the players he's definitely been a a guy that has his players backs He'll, he obviously from all the ejections he's taken, he'll he's not afraid to go out and defend his players. Uh, but this season, he's definitely enjoyed the moment, and I think he's really managed pretty well, considering he's had you know some things not at his disposal. He's had a lot of you know pitching injuries, and he's had to really work with his bullpen. But as far as uh, you know, he's related, I think, very well to a younger clubhouse, and I think what what was really been a good match is that he wanted an aggressive style of baseball this year. He said it at spring training. He, he wanted them to run a lot. You know, that certainly wasn't possible in past teams. They didn't have a lot of athletic players, but they got the athletic players that were both, whether they got them from the outside or whether they got them through their farm system, uh, they've matched the personality of the team he wants. And you've seen that throughout the year. And I think even during the, the losing spells, his steadiness has, has made them been able to, to come back. I think one of the early parts of the year, they were in Pittsburgh, they were seven and 15 and there was a meeting at some point, and whether it was from the players or and also from David, the, the, the big thing was is don't try to do everything yourself. It was you have teammates. You strike out, your teammate will pick you up. If you give up a home run, 
the next pitcher will pick you up. And that's really served them well. And that's what got them as far as they've gotten. And now they have to just kind of keep doing that. They have to not press and they have to just sort of stay with it. They're still, the, the division's looking out of reach, but the wild card is still there. And once you're in, you're in and anything can happen. And they have to believe that if, if they want to get in. Yeah, the, the wildcard dynamics is unique, right? And I'm hoping Chris and I have talked about this a bunch. Everything we've talked about this whole season is going to be a learning experience, regardless of if they get into the playoffs. That being said, like I think this team is plenty talented moving forward, and I think they're going to have a really good perspective on what the team needs to add in the offseason. I'm hoping that they, have, that, they, that they find a way to sneak into the playoffs because even if they don't have, you know, quote-unquote success in the playoffs, being there is significant. And I think for this team moving forward – that that's just gonna that's that's a huge part of it i think for for them kind of taking that next step next year absolutely and they've had some playoff light games they they played uh, six games uh with the braves that were all decided by one run the three games at home were three of the more exciting games i've seen the the 11 10 loss was maybe the i'm sorry the 11 10 win was probably the one of the best games anyone's seen this season so they've they've played in these tense nail-biting games they they had a you know they had one against Arizona where they won on a balk and that felt like a playoff game so they've had playoff light games now they just need playoff games that'll really build what they need to have for next year and and that that will you you grow up pretty quickly once you're in the playoffs I would think I've seen players I covered the twins when they were a young team in, in 2002 they made the playoffs and and they had a lot of young players there's a lot of similarities between the 2023 Reds and the 2002 twins in a lot of ways. And that team grew up very quickly and went on to win three straight divisions. And it, it's very possible to, to really cut your teeth against when games are a pressure, you know, a pressure cooker, when the, when the crowd is sold out and, and, and you're in a hostile environment, if you're at the other team stadium, there's a, there's a lot that you can learn from that. Yeah. And there's a lot of hostility and Paul and I have been talking about that, hoping to see this type of scenario. And I think it's exciting. I mean, with there another seven games out, seven games out but you know how it is in september when in in the central right now it is as hostile an environment as you're going to get you know when you got two teams that literally geographically claim other teams uh cities so you know you got you got wrigley you got wrigley north you got wrigley south and it's unfortunate that you know st louis isn't in, isn't in the mix because those all of those between all of those places during playoff time it gets very very interesting um, but like you said, with a, with a young team, with that amount of con confidence, and I think the important the, from a psychological point, it's so important that I hope that DB is trying to stress to him is is taking these bits and pieces incrementally and not just looking at this 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 whole timeline. Is to look at these series like the Atlanta series where they just they played arguably the best the best team in baseball from from what's looking like it's going to be tape to tape. And to be able to stay in those games, Siri, <laughs> hey, air, airplane mode do, doesn't stop. Doesn't stop Siri. Apparently, I'll take the tail off, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but those pieces, I mean, those have to give huge confidence when you're trying to when you're trying to break these down. You know, hanging with the best team in, in all of baseball right now. Um, and then just, you know, it's a team that's just kind of like, you know, ignorance is bliss. You don't really know you're going into it the whole season, you know, young, dumb, having fun. And they, that's, that's what you have to do. That's what these young teams have to do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at that series, uh, when Ellie got called up and 
you know, they get that playoff type atmosphere where they sold out, you know, the entire series was 126,000 people. It was 44,000 people mm -hmm. like Cincinnati was bumping and that type of pressure, that type of energy, that's all, those are all the building blocks that, that, that this club is going to need and, and taken in, into 2024. Yeah. You actually triggered a idea, a memory of, for me is one of the things that David Bell has also done well with this young team is he's really not even looked ahead at all. Like not even series to series, it's game to game. They've done a really good job of just playing one right. game at a time. And I know it's the worst cliche to hear on a quote, but they, they do, they, they have a way of, of, of flushing bad games very quickly and also not living too too high on the on the good games they do take it game to game i i wonder if they got away from that lately because it just seems like the the, the pressure's been adding on but i think when they go game to game and, and really focus that way they have more success yeah and paul said at the very beginning when you know we we're we we're constantly bringing up the power rankings uh you know week to week and the, the reds were in the bottom three but the thing is is that when you break it down granular, granularly, <clears throat> it's so important. Like this team is going to stay in games. All I have to do is just stay in games. They're going to run. They're going to hit. They just have to be, they have to be close. And as long as they can do that, they're going to be in every game. And, you know, the great teams have the ability to kind of get over that hump, but we always knew that this is a team that's going to fight really hard and is going to continue to just kind of hang around. And I think they're, they're still in that position and you've seen it, especially in this, the, this division, we saw it with the Cardinals, you know, two years ago, rolling off, you know, 14 in a row to get that to get that playoff spot. Any, you know, anything's possible. Um, so, you know, September is the best time of year. I, I, I just love where this team is at and um, just, you know, not just in the central, but all, all around the league. Yeah, the, they have a very favorable schedule in September. They, they play a lot of teams that are under 500. Uh, the negative for them is they don't face the Brewers again. So they, yeah. they, they're out of head-to-head -head yeah. matchups. They only yeah. face the Cubs again this weekend. That's it for the Cubs. So they don't have the they, they control of their own destiny as much anymore like they did this week. That's why this week was a really rough week because if, if they had knocked off the Diamondbacks, they had knocked off the Giants, uh, things might right. be looking a little rosier right now. But like you said, anything can happen. And the one thing about, like, at least in the Arizona series is they they weren't out of any of those games. They lost. They, they were all close games. They, even the game when Hunter Green got blown out, they lost 10 to 8. So they were in that game, and they've had a few games like that. And, and a lot of times when they have those games where they're down early, they've come back and won them. Yeah. And, you know, this time they didn't. But they're they're in them. They don't feel like they're ever out of a game. And that's an important uh, vibe to have in a, in a dugout. What is um... – how's Joey been doing this year, you know, with all this coming in and it wasn't like he started, I think, you know, Joey being Joey, he's kind of like, he's kind of on his own program trying to get back after the injury last year. And then in my imagination, it's just kind of, <laughs> he, he just kind of, all right, Joey, it's time to go. And it's just like, he's just thrown into like, like a daddy daycare type of thing. It's just kids running around and he's trying to like navigate to see exactly where all these, you know, these young, these young guys are at. But I think, you know, seeing the transformation of Joey over the last couple of years and how he's he's been the more charismatic kind of type of leader, I think he's probably fit, fit in so well with this with this group. And I'm our biggest question is, will this be enough to keep Joey going, um, you know, at the you know, as, as we question whether he's going to come back or if we're going to extend or if he you know, what his, what that scenario is. And I would have to imagine that this is a, this is a club that he particularly really wants to, to move forward and, and, and ride this thing out with. 
He definitely does. I think Joey, like you said, he's come out of his shell, uh, you know, outwardly at least uh, the last few years. He's big on social media. Uh, watching him kind of assimilate himself to this younger clubhouse, I, I don't think he, he ever had this idea or this big enough ego where, you know, he felt like, he, you know, he was the veteran. Everyone has to follow what he does. He ended up kind of fitting in with the other guys because he knew when he came in in June, he was already late to the party and they already had a thing going and he really fit into that well. And he's embraced it. You watch him with all the younger players and, and not just outwardly on the field where you see him getting along, but he also does things behind the scenes. Of course, Joey doesn't like to toot his own horn or show, Hey, I'm Mr. Leader guy. But what he does do is he'll take players individually in different ways. If a player comes to him for advice, he will give it. If he sees a way he can help a guy, whether it's you know mechanically at the plate hitting or whether it's how to be a, a player on the road, how to, how to dress, how to, tip the the clubhouse guys you know there, there's a lot of little things that you can learn from a veteran and they're not all about baseball and joey's been that guy for a lot of those young players and he fits in really well the the big sixty four thousand dollar question or that's case 20 million dollar question for him is his option he's got a club option for next year with a seven million dollar buyout i doubt the reds are going to pay 20 million to bring him back but you just kind of wonder will they have one more year at a lower price where they can bring him back because i don't I can't imagine Joey Votto in a different uniform. I don't think he can imagine it. I think he wants to finish with the maybe, Reds and maybe maybe one maybe one uniform. Yes, maybe just one. But he would like to be a Red for life, and I think, at least, I think he would. And I, I think it would be more special to him if he won a title with the Reds than if he went and joined as another team as a bench player. Let's say like the Dodgers or the Yankees. I don't think that would mean as much to him, and I think he hmm. would definitely like to see this through. Uh, the Reds have never won a playoff series since he's been with the team. And it, I think just I think it would be special for him to, to finish what he started. He's obviously injured right now and on the injured list. He's trying to get his shoulder right. The, the hope and the thought for him is that he can come back at some point in, in September and, and finish the season. And, and maybe just that alone, the adrenaline of trying to get his team into the playoffs will be enough to help him dial it back in. He's had a lot of big home runs. He's only hitting 200. But he had 13 homers in the first 39 games he played. He was on pace if he had played a whole season for 50 homers. He really was kind of giving up the the batting average to sell off for the power. And I, I think that helped him. And I think you can see him maybe doing that again if he if he if he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a, adopting the the new the new gener the new rules of baseball we seem to have, you know, see around the league with you know sub 200, 30, 30 plus homers, but that's for a completely different conversation. But Mark, you talked about doing the things behind the scene. Were you? Do you know the story um, of the the Joey evolution of where he is with this the new the charisma? Do I, I mean the Please story? Don't. I'm not sure about the story, but I have seen it. I mean, I watched him get on you know TikTok. I've watched him get on Instagram and, t- and Twitter and watched it his. Mark, his personality come out. Yeah, there's there's so, no there's no way to be sure what Chris is referring to. Chris, enlighten us. So, this is um, so years ago, so years ago, probably f- I think four or five off seasons ago. So Joey started taking improv classes oh. for this, for the simple fact that he wanted to, he wanted to be in a position to, to be more of a, a charismatic leader, like going into the, the, the latter end of his career. And he thought that that would particularly help in how, you know, how to speak, how to be in front of people and how to kind of be, um, yeah, trying to be like, you know, just a, a 
more entertaining individual. So sure. when he was out in LA, he was, he was doing improv classes and with the particular focus that this would help him in the clubhouse. And I th always thought that was really interesting. And what, again, one of the more fascinating stories about Joey is that he's kind of always thinking 10 steps ahead. Um, but he's ever chess, since he's that a chess player, his chess player, he, he, yeah. that's exactly it. He's, he's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. He's like, you know what? This is, this is, <laughs> this is my role. I'm going to go ahead and just take some improv classes and I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy. And here we are. I didn't know Joey, Joey was Bob. one of the groundlings or one of those other, you know, improv yeah, guys. Exactly. Here That's we are. Cool. Joey um, 3.0. 3.0, yeah. 3 yeah. Hey, Mark, let, let, we're, we, we appreciate you being here. Last thing, though, we've had a, our close friend Sam LeCure on, and one of the questions I had for you is, have you had the chance to actually don the Viking helmet? No, I, I, I don't dare touch players' equipment. I've never handled somebody's glove. I've never handled it. I've never touched a bat or a glove or a ball unless directed. Hey, can you hand me my glove? I've done that a couple of times, but <laughs> no, I, I would not dare touch the the helmet or the the cape unless invited. And I have not been invited, so I will. Uh, if I, well, you know, it's, just it's, a, not hey, for me. just a heads up. We're, we're going to try to see if we can figure out a way to make that happen. So don't okay. be caught off guard. Don't be caught off guard. I'm sure there'll be a funny picture in there for me if uh, if I do wear it, and I'll probably regret it. But yes, uh, the the Viking helmet's a cool thing. It, it all started with with Jake Fraley and, and former Red Louis Sessa, and it's it's taken a life of its own. It's been the, another reason why the club has been interesting. They've just added some more you know organic fun to the dugout and to the clubhouse, and that's that's certainly one of the things that's really caught on here this summer. Mark, what's been your favorite moment this year? My gosh! With all uh, with all the ups with all the ups and downs, what's been your favorite moment this season? It's hard to it's hard to t say that. Uh, but that game with when De La Cruz hit for the cycle, the same game where Joey had a big day. I think Joey had two homers in that game. I'm not sure, but Joey had this amazing game, and and that got put on the the back burner for the the, the cycle. Obviously, uh, no one on the Reds had hit for the cycle since 1989 when Eric Davis did it, and and Ellie De La Cruz had been in the league for two weeks and and did it, and it was it was. Uh, I've seen players hit for the cycle, not a red. And I know it's kind of an overblown thing. I don't know how important that is in the grand scheme of things. It's four hit. I, I think any hitter would rather have four homers like Scooter Jeanette a few years ago. But seeing De La Cruz do it and the way he did it with the triple, uh, I, I don't know if I've seen that stadium that loud in a long time. It certainly had been since the All-Star game probably when uh, Frazier hit the, uh, won the home run derby. That's right. And so I, I thought that was probably the coolest moment of the season for sure. And that game was an amazing game too. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Well, Mark, I think that, uh, like I said, we, we appreciate getting the opportunity to catch up with you. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and, uh, and sharing some insight that not a lot of people have with the team. That's, that's, uh, obviously taking on a, a new look this year and hopefully moving forward. This is what, that we're, what Reds country have to look forward to. And I know Chris and I really appreciate you, uh, you know, when we were there a long time ago and, uh, hopefully we have the opportunity to do this again, bud. I would love to. Thank you very much for the time. It was, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate it, Mark. For sure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.